Uh, part one of this series, uh, I am entitled, entitling How to Live a Success Story. How to Live a Success Story. Uh, like many of you, Julie and I right now, uh, you know, in this season, are we are making positive changes to our lives. You know, I don't know what you did this morning, but I got up and I ran the P.F. Chang's Marathon. I mean, I ran that thing and I'm done and I'm here. You know, I'm feeling and looking good. Um, so, okay, so I lied about that. But um, we're, we're, we're making positive changes. And one of the areas of positive change that we're working on in our life is our financial life. Um, and I know that many of you feel that, uh, feel that as well as we're working to uh, pay off debt and build wealth in different ways. Um, but uh, this year, and I know that for some people in this room, this is, this is you know, you can look back and wish you were my age. Other people think I'm old, um, but I, I realized that this year I turned 35. Um, for me, that's a big deal because I'm, time is flying by so fast for me now. And I know that some of you guys really know that. It's just going. And it's just um, I charted out this whole year in front of me, and I looked at it, and I'm like, there's my whole year. And it's just, there it is, and boom, it'll be gone. It, it just seems like it was 2010, doesn't it? And here we are, 2012, when I started at Fuller Seminary, I, I remember joking with people saying, they're like, when are you going to be finished? And I'm like, oh, in 2014. And everybody laughed because when I, it was, that was like a million years away, 2014? Are you kidding me? Um, and now I'm looking going, 2014, that's coming really fast. And so, you know, we're, we're trying to, um, you know, make wise, wise choices. And uh, one of my goals this year is to get a... Uh, my retirement plan up and running and make sure that I'm, I'm putting away in that and, and just those, those things to try to be responsible moving forward. Um, this has been really encouraging and discouraging. It, it feels good when you, when you kind of get a budget or, or you get a plan, you know, like if, if, if you struggle with your weight, like, like I do, um, you know, it's, it, there's some awful days like stepping on the scale. You know, that first time after Christmas or Thanksgiving, you step on and you're like, oh, God, please, no. You look down and you're like, you just want to fall on the bathroom floor in a heap of nothingness and just, you know, it's just the end of the world, you know. But you kind of pick yourself up and you get a plan, you know. You know where you are. You, you put a plan down on paper, you know. You start to have a calendar and it, you automatically start feeling better, you know what I mean? At least I got a plan. I'm moving forward. I know that I'm a little bit at a time going to make some progress here. Um, and so that's, that's part of what I'm experiencing now is, is, uh, is that. Um, but it's also discouraging because there's so much that I can't control. Um, for example, and what I'm about to tell you is absolutely depressing. So if you haven't already, take your Prozac. Um, this past week, the week of ending January 13th, 2012, listen to this. Uh, markets at the end of this week took, a, took quite a dive. Uh, I mean, stock markets. Why? Well, because several, several countries uh, in the European Union, in the Eurozone, uh, their credit rating is being downgraded, apparently. Um, and there was a time in history where we could be like, oh, that, that stinks for you Europeans with your smelly cheese. Um, but now when stuff, when stuff happens over there, it affects us right here on Wall Street. And you know what? You know, this is awful, but I don't feel a whole lot of love for Wall Street tycoons. Um, but the truth of the matter is, 
is that, you know, every working person in here is being affected by decisions that are making, that they're making, and, and we don't have a whole lot of control over that. And so what happens with those people in, across the ocean now directly affects us. So markets took a downward turn um, because the countries like France, um, I think Portugal, are being downgraded in their credit rating. Um, the U.S. job, uh, U.S. weekly jobless list numbers, or jobless numbers, sorry, uh, rose. So um, the uh, unemployed unemployment figures rose actually last week. Um, uh, who knows why that is? Maybe that's because uh, seasonal employees, you know, being uh, losing their employment. So maybe that's not as bad as it sounds. Uh, but it just thinks to hear that. Um, Three, this is the interest, this is really interesting. U.S. consumers went on a credit spree in November. I mean, an absolute credit spree. It's nuts. Uh, consumer debt increased by 20, uh, 20.37 billion dollars. 20, you know, over 20 billion dollars in consumer credit. Um, uh, <laughs> Credit was uh, amassed debt, consumer debt, in November. Um, and that consumer debt has gone up to $2.48 trillion. Isn't that crazy? Like, I'm looking at those figures going, what? That's wild. I mean, foreign markets are in flux, and stock market is here and there, and people are still unsecure about employment. And yet, here we go on a spending spree. That just sounds dumb to me, I'm just saying. Um, that's just kind of weird, but that's who knows why that's going on. Uh, in the Eurozone, the United Kingdom, their output slumped. Um, Germany, which is, I think, forget, they're one of the largest economies in Europe. Um, uh, Germany's economy contracted in the fourth quarter, so actually slowed. And Hostess, maker of Twinkies and Chocodiles, uh, is sinking bankruptcy protection. Did you guys hear that? I mean, hostess? I mean, Americans are still fat. So, I mean, seriously, hostess shouldn't be hurting. Um, I mean, that's just wild. And you might think, like I'm thinking, well, maybe take my money out of the stock market and I have a better chance in the lottery. And if you felt like that, then maybe you missed the news this morning that said the Arizona Powerball tickets are now doubling in price to $2. And by the way, I don't recommend playing the lotto. I just don't. I personally think it's a voluntary tax imposed on the poor. Um, so I think it's kind of immoral for those reasons, not necessarily for playing, but on, on that's who, I mean, think about who's playing the lotto and where you can buy lotto tickets. I think that's a kind of a rotten way to raise money, but that's just me personally. Um, this is, but all this stuff is just not very encouraging news for me right now as I'm trying to get a handle. And I have, I have retired. Um, uh, Julie's parents are retired, and they were just over here again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they were just over here again recently. And, um, and you know, they're retired, and trying to do things right with their with their uh, money that they've invested, and there's just so much that they can't control. Um, and it's, I think it's just such a shame, you know. Um, it's not encouraging news. And I wonder, with so much uncertainty in the world today, I think many of us feel paralyzed as to 
how to plot our futures. Well, some of us in this room are, are pretty young, and that we're not concerned about that. But we ought to be. Um, you know, you can talk to Rob. He's an enrollment counselor at a graduate school. And uh, I was having a conversation with Rob where, you know, he's, he's telling me that people are wondering about acquiring a college education um, just because of how that world is changing. And when we, if you get so much debt, will it in, you know, how will you pay a lot, of, how will you pay it all off and all this stuff? You know, people are really worried about this stuff, you know. Uh, it's, you know, the days of, you know, the 1990s, you know, internet bubble and all that. I mean, things have really, really changed. You know, and people are really thinking about, uh, you know, student loans and, and um, debt, you know, because things are, are changing. And yet all of us, I think, we want to achieve at least a fair amount of success in life. You know, maybe we don't need to be, a, you know, I want to be a billionaire so freaking bad. Um, and that's a song, by the way. Want to be a billionaire. Maybe you don't want to be a billionaire, you know. But at least you want to, you know, um, chart your life where you have enough success that that you kind of make the march, you know. You can, for those of us approaching retirement, you want to know that you'll be able to, to make it, that it'll be okay, that you're, you'll have a place to live and your bills will get paid for and all that stuff. And for a lot of us, thinking about the future is a very um, scary thing, a very, very scary thing. And to make matters worse, like I said, so much, uh, so many of these factors are beyond the control of everyone in this room. If they are within your control, you are not giving to support the ministry of Emmaus Road. If they are within your control, because you would be rich and powerful. And, and Steve counts what comes in every week. So if you're holding out on us like that, I pray that you get the swine flu and every other kind of flu. I mean, it's going to be bad for you. Um, but as I thought about who's going to be here today, I'm, I just I don't see any people that, that are really the ones that are, there's, that are capable of steering these kinds of things. It's just we're, you know, we're, we're caught up in this, uh, this, this tide. And... Um, and that's, that's nerve-wracking, too, for a lot of us. In spite of all this, what if, what if there were something that you could do today that would absolutely 100% guarantee that your life in the grand story will turn out to be a success story? What if there was something you could do today that would absolutely, completely guarantee that when all is said and done, your life will be told, the story of your life will be told as a success story. Sound too good to be true? Yeah. But there is. Grab your Bible, open up to our Experiencing God memory verse for this week, John 15, 5. I'll be reading out of the New International Version, so this English translation. Jesus is looking at his disciples at a very important time. As he's kind of, he's, he's, 
He's on his way to be crucified, basically. He's moving toward that phase of his ministry. And he's trying to explain to them some very important things. He looks at them, um, and in verse 5, he tells them, I am the vine. You, y'all, are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Read it again, and I'm going to make a a couple changes to some language, because I want everybody to feel like Jesus is talking to them. Jesus says, I am the vine, y'all are the branches. If you, if, if a person remains in me, and I in them, that one, that person, will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. Lord, I I do pray that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to each of us this morning and to our community of faith. Speak, Lord. We want to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. I think a big idea of this verse would simply be this. God will produce his results if we will continually remain connected to Christ. God will produce his results in us, through us, if we will continually remain connected to Christ. God will produce his results. Let's take a look together at this uh, picture that Jesus is giving us. Um, uh, Because I think it's kind of important to take a look, and there's not many farmers in this room. Um, Chris, can you throw up that first? Yes. Here's a vineyard uh, in Napa, Napa, California. Vineyards are nice. Um, And would you believe that there are some nice vineyards in Arizona? There's some wonderful wineries here. I mean, I never would have thought that, but... Um, Rob and Amanda can tell you where they're at, but they're up, uh, um, up, uh, yeah, there are, yeah, they can tell you, um, cause they know, <laughs> um, but Julie and I enjoyed a, a wonderful day with them just cruising up in Northern Arizona, hanging out in some gorgeous vineyards up there. Um, but this is a picture of one in, in, uh, Napa, which is world famous for, um, its beverages. Uh, let's take a, um, show my next picture. Here's a picture of a, of a vine. Here's the, we need to get our mind on this to understand what Jesus is saying. And it's, it's pretty simple, but we, we, we need to have this little frame of mind, this window, uh, up in our minds to really get what Jesus is saying. It's pretty simple. He says, Jesus says, I, myself... In the vine, y'all are the branches. The word there, you, in, in English, in use kind of one of those funny words. It's plural and singular, but here in the text, it's y'all. Y'all are the branches. Well, this 
is the vine, right? Coming up, going over, right? We got the vine going on. And we're the branches. When you think about what a vine does, it really is amazing. When I, I mean, when I think about it, I pass by plants all the time. But have you ever stopped to think about the fact that, I mean, when you think about what is the job of the vine? I mean, getting real simple, I mean, I'm not a, I don't even know what the right word is. A botanist? No. I'm, I'm not a horticulturist. <laughs> um, but of, of the vine, the vine somehow, mysteriously to me, is able to take stuff out of the dirt, in very important stuff, and transport it to where it needs to go, to the branches. But have you ever picked up like a handful of dirt and looked at it and had the thought cross your mind? Like if I had a cluster of grapes here and a handful of dirt and say, somehow the stuff that makes these grapes is actually the stuff that's in the dirt. I know that's weird, but I mean, seriously, think about it. Dirt is just kind of dirt. And somehow... Like if you were to break down the grapes and give it enough time and let them kind of decay and decompose, guess what you get? Dirt. Dirt. That's wild to me. He's like, oh, Steve, you're so lame. <laughs> but why, is, why are these grapes and that dirt when the stuff that makes them up is the same? Like, I'm talking about elements and molecules and all that stuff, you know, from back in science class days. But there's something incredible happening. And the vine has this ability to connect with the ground and pull up from the ground resources and transport those resources out to the branches. And who even knows how this happens? I mean, the branches somehow, naturally, take the stuff that the vine pulls up and, and somehow grapes show up. Isn't that wild? I mean, you start to think about what is life. Because if you were to break down the grapes and the grapevine, you get dirt. What is that one component? that makes the difference between something that's living and growing and producing and just dirt. Isn't it kind of mysterious? So Steve, it's electricity and chemicals. Shut up. <laughs> really? Because I'll go outside with, I'll shock the ground. I'll pour some chemicals on it. That doesn't mean I'm going to get a grapevine, you know what I mean? There's something really mysterious going on around us all the time. But the vine's job, what the vine does, is connect the branches. It produces the branches, first of all. But then it connects the branches with the ground, with the source. The vine has its roots down in the ground. The source, the resources needed to produce grapes are down in the ground. And the vine pulls those resources up and transports them out to the branches. It really is an amazing, an amazing thing. Let's show my next picture, Chris. 
like, think about that. These are, you know, clusters of grapes. You can see the vine is pulling the resources out of the ground and transporting them up. It's some, life is amazing, really. It really is. And Jesus is, is calling his audience to pay attention to them. They would have been familiar with this. The vine produces branches and it brings, resor- it brings the resources of the ground to them. And the branch's job is to, pr- is to produce fruit. Yeah, so what? Well, if you're the branches, if you're the branches, and I'm a branch and you're a branch in Jesus' picture that he's painting, guess what we don't have to do? The job of the vine. The job of the vine. I think one of the things that we can do that, that this scripture teaches us to do is to know our role. Know your role. Didn't some wrestler used to say that? Know your role. You don't need to do the jobs, the, the job of the vine. Why is that important? Because I think I operate my life usually in such a way that the only resources I count on are my own. But Jesus is saying you're caught up in a way of life. There's something happening with you as a follower of Jesus that is unbelievably mysterious. And there's some kind of organic connection between Jesus and you and and Jesus. Jesus brings to you the resources of Almighty God and transports them into your life so that so that what God wants to do can be produced through your life it's unbelievable absolutely unbelievable that when we only count on the resources that come from us when we're only depending on ourselves for how we're going to make it in this life We're heaping upon ourselves a responsibility that God never intended that we carry. Because it's the job of the vine to bring into your life the resources of the God who spoke the universe into existence. How does it happen? I don't even know how the vine brings the resources of the ground to the grapes to the branches to produce grapes. If that's a mystery to me, why should it surprise me that in the grand drama of God redeeming us and the world to himself, that there's a mysterious element to it. But Jesus is, is telling us what our role is. We don't have to do the job of the vine. We can know our role. We're a branch. And the branch does exist to produce fruit. I think another thing that it points out is that a branch, a branch needs to remain connected to the vine. That's really important. If a branch is not connected to the vine, it cannot possibly of itself produce anything, let alone the stuff that that God would intend. Branch needs to be connected. You can see See the branches up there? If you see the fruit on the branch, that's a good sign that it's connected to the vine. My father-in-law brought these over from California because he has a little um, 
And you don't get to keep these, by the way. But I'll pass them around because I saw I saw Rob looking at my vines. <laughs> pass pass those around. Take a look. But yeah, my father-in-law brought these over for me because they can. Um, uh, they came off of his vine, and he told me that, or he told us that if we take them and uh, we we put them in the ground, plant them in the ground, that they can become a new vine. Isn't that cool? But here they are. They've been at my house for a while now, like other stuff my father-in-law brings over and leaves. They've been at my house for a while now, and I saw them this week, and you know what? I was totally disappointed because they're sitting on my dining room table, and they've been there forever, and there's not one single grape on them. I mean, are you kidding me? These are grapevines. There's not one single grape. Why not? Because they're not connected to the vine. I believe that there are people in the world who would know how to act. It's called grafting. They could graft these branches into a vine. They could make, I don't know how they do it, maybe make a little hole, stick it in the hole there, tape it up. I don't know. But they could somehow make it so that these branches are connected to a vine. And if that were to happen, the vine will do its job. And somehow, mysteriously, the branches will produce fruit. Have you ever noticed, have you ever gone and looked at, like, say, a, uh, an orange tree? Or a grape, or, or, or a grapevine? I mean, I, I've walked through vineyards, and you know what? It's, it, usually it's very quiet and peaceful. I have never once yet been in a vineyard or near like a, a citrus tree and heard this sound. Come on! Produce grapes! Ah! I've never once heard a vine. I've never once heard a branch. Screaming and straining to produce fruit. Have you? I mean, my trees do not seem to be stressed out. I've never seen a grapevine that's like, oh man, my workload, Steve. I just cannot believe. You won't believe my schedule. I mean, I gotta sit here, the sun's gonna come out, and I gotta get catch the sun with my leaves, and then there's that vine. It's always talking trash. I gotta wait in this long line. It seems like I'm always stuck in traffic. I never go anywhere. I'm so stressed out. <laughs> I've not yet seen. Have you noticed that though? It almost it almost would seem that if a branch is connected to the vine and the vine's connected to the branch, fruit is produced naturally. It happens because it's designed to do that. That's what it does. It doesn't even seem to have to work at it. It just happens. If a branch remains connected to the vine, it will produce fruit naturally. And Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will produce much fruit. It's really that simple. 
It's not that complicated. What can we, you know, what does that move us to do? As I was thinking about it and praying about it. I think this tells us that we need to make, hear this, make connection with Christ the top priority of our lives. Make connection with Christ the top priority of our lives. The top priority. You know what's crazy is God doesn't love you because you produce. You produce because God loves you. Listen to this and get it. Jesus chose this picture and this metaphor for a reason. A branch exists as it's connected with the vine in such a way that somehow in this mysterious process, it produces fruit. It just does it. It's just made to do it. It's going to do it. Why am I saying that to you? If Jesus is the vine and you're the branches, why do you worry that your life will be a failure? Why would you feel insignificant? Why would you feel like everything is going to collapse? Why are you waiting for the other shoe to drop when disaster finally strikes? Why would we feel the story will end badly for us? Why would we feel that God wouldn't come through? Jesus seems to be telling us today just stay connected and relax. Stay connected and relax. Because the fruit, the results that God has designed you to achieve in this life are going to happen. Jim posted something on Facebook on our, our um, Experiencing God site that really stuck out to me this week. Um, and I, I won't quote it right, but it was something to the effect of worry drives us away from God. At first I read it and I'm like, hmm? But then I thought about it and I thought, you know, the more I worry, the farther I feel from God. And the more I worry. Isn't that weird? I worry, then I feel far from God, and then I worry more. Yeah, I'm going to make my plans for the future and so are you. But ultimately, ultimately, what's going to make my life a success story? isn't going to come from me. Somehow Jesus has put himself in my life, in your life, in such a way that in some way that's incomprehensible, he right now is drawing on the very resources of an almighty God and bringing them into our lives. And if we will just hang on to him and make that the priority, the results will come. The results will come. The fruit will show up. Because he designed you that way. 
he ordered your life that way. You're put together by God in such a way. Mysteriously and wonder, wondrously. So that you will bear fruit that brings glory to God. It's really weird when you look at a branch and you look at a grape. I mean, do, do they seem like they go together? Purple and sweet and wonderful. And take a bite of one of those branches that's going around. Isn't that amazing? I'm a branch. But what God will bring out of my life as I stay connected to Him is so wondrously sweet and unlike anything that you would ever look at me and expect to come out of me. That's you. That's me. I'm going to show you a picture and I'm going to wrap it up. Some of you guys know this guy and some of you don't. Um, this is a guy named Johnny and his wife, Deanna. Um, Johnny pastored a church in Ontario, uh, California for almost 20 years. Um, it was amazing what God did through his life. Early on, he came up in a Christian tradition that didn't, um, that didn't, they didn't have the chance to get a good education. Most of them came from poorer families that were on the margins, on the wrong side of the tracks. He was part of a Christian tradition where if you wanted to find where their churches were, they were always on the wrong side of the tracks. And God called him very early in his life to be a minister. And as he said yes to God, to something that was beyond anything that he should have ever been able to do, Sometime about the late 70s and early 80s, he was pastoring this medium-sized church in Ontario, and it exploded. In a very quick time, it became a church of near five or 600. And they, they, uh, they took care of him. Those, they loved him. He had a really, they, he started off rough. He had times where he was pastoring where people would tie them and in rotten canned food. It's like, here, pastor, this is good enough for you, even though I wouldn't feed it to my dog. They took care of him during that time. And the church exploded and just thrived. Did things for the community. And, and uh, it was an incredible, incredible time. A few years later, um, as he was getting ready to go to bed, he and his wife, you know, were in their PJs, getting into bed. And he turned to her after praying and said, God wants us to go to a different church. And she said, yeah, I know. Now this other church, see the church that he had pastored had turned into a fairly large affluent church in a, in a, in a nice suburban area. There was well-to-do business people that went to that, went to that church. Um, and it was a beautiful campus, beautiful auditorium, beautiful place. You know, when they finally went to inspect the church where they clearly believed that God was telling them to go to, it was in a neighborhood that used to be rural. 
it was it was used to be a small farming community there used to be dairies there and places to buy feed for your livestock um, fields everywhere but since that time houses had been built in all the fields and it had turned into a community primarily mostly com uh, comprised of um, of uh, immigrants from South America, from Mexico. You could always hear a dump, when a quinceanera was going on, and somebody's always roasting a goat. But not only was it that kind of a community, but um, it was also a community that was uh, um, drugs were running rampant. There was a, a meth lab that exploded across the street from the church. Um, totally different kind of place. But he and Deanna said, yeah, that's where God is leading us. And so they went, and they made the change. They went there. They ministered there for about 10 years. Almost nothing went according to plan. There were supposed to be new communities that were built that didn't get built on schedule. Um, no matter how hard he tried, he, he just could not reach the kind of people um, that he really felt that, that should have been there. He would get visitors who would move in from out of state, and they would, they would go out to lunch with him. And the visitors would tell him, well, Pastor Johnny, you, you've really got yourself a mission field here. We'll pray for you, and we'll pray for you. We'll, we'll pray for you while we go to a nicer church in a nice suburban area. That happened time and time, time and time again. Uh, he had friends who, I mean, one friend, yeah, I'll just say it. He had one friend actually give him a Lincoln Continental, and then only a few months later, I mean, totally turn his back on him and abandon him. It was an intense time for someone who had experienced such success. And now nothing works right. And he had re resorted to um, just trying to teach a, a, a very dysfunctional family how just to be a family. He would buy them, you know, a couple packs of hot dogs and take, a, take this family to the beach just to teach them that you can... You can be a family. So different. While he was pastoring that church, um, one night, a kid came in who had recently got out of jail. And from the platform, at the end as he was praying for people, he looked at that kid and said, I see the hand of God on you. I don't want to embarrass you, but I can see God's hand on you. Of course, the kid was embarrassed. <laughs> and, that, and that pastor set aside a whole day of the week to meet with that kid. Just got out of jail. Didn't make any money. But he saw God at work. And so... As the years went on, that kid ended up getting married to a girl that Johnny uh, had seen as a daughter. 
since she was born. And that kid went on to be Johnny's youth pastor. And then those two kids went on to be his associate pastors. And then God started opening doors for that kid that were unbelievable. Different schools and colleges and and uh, grants and scholarships and that kid saw and Johnny watched as a youth group got built in that church that outlasted that kid saw worship leaders and youth pastors a couple more generations of them come out of that and then God sent that kid to another state to pastor a different church and that kid watched as God built the largest youth group in his denomination in that state and Johnny watched as God opened doors and sent that kid to minister to broken and hurting teens in Colorado and as far away as Alaska. And then, then God opened a door for that kid and that girl to be a part of starting a new church. And every one of us is here today because he wouldn't let go when everything seemed to be going wrong so is he a success when all of his plans didn't work out but he just held on and refused to allow himself to be torn away from Christ God showed up God continues to show up. And would you believe after another decade of wandering around, getting the shaft? I had the privilege of being, I had the privilege of saying the words of institution over the, of the, over the Eucharist at the first service where Johnny was finally installed as pastor back at that church in Ontario. And he's loving life and I watched his wife say God's finally given me the desire of my heart but what does God want to do through our lives abundantly above anything we can ever ask or think You don't have to do the job of the vine. The vine is going to bring the resources to you. You just have to stay connected. The question is, am I connected today? Am I staying connected? God will produce his results through you if you will continually remain 
connected to Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for great examples in Scripture and outside of Scripture of what it looks like to live a life that is faithful. Thank you. Thank you for the shoulders that we stand upon as we worship and minister and struggle to hold on today. Help us, Lord, to to relax. Relieve us of the anxiety that comes from feeling like we must do the job of the vine. Help us just to trust you as a branch. And know that you've designed us in such a wonderful way that what you will produce through our life is so sweet and beautiful and beyond anything anyone would ever expect to come from us. May we rest in you. May that rest and peace be ours today. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'm sorry that I've gone way over my time. I'd like to conclude today with the Eucharist. Would that be okay? This is a a symbolic and a very powerful meal that reminds us to stay connected to the vine. As we nourish and take Christ, as the life of Christ is taking into us, this is a table where we're all equal, where we receive Christ. It's a table that we invite the world to and where we physically demonstrate the fact that It's Christ in us who is the hope of glory.